skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires porting of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Blog Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yeah. prom poet designed for disaster A crime candidate, the light heavyweight I yeah. might levitate right through the heaven's gate Rhymes record break, next bonds and vertebrae Simple yeah. and plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder tracks I'm a dirt bag, flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags My first rap, catch Roberta Flack I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that Slim thugging them hoes, they been loving the flow They been hunting for men like in vogue And I, I'm in season to season vet I don't need respect, all I need is to check Mic check Ladies and gentlemen, I just gotta tell you Grizzlies fans, we are back We are back, it is so good to hear Sly It is so good to be back on the Blog Talk Radio Airwaves iTunes, however you take in our podcast Thank you so much for joining us for the season premiere of Grizzly Bear Blues Live, I am your host, Joe Mullinax, and I cannot stress enough how good it is to be back. It's been too long. It's been a crazy few months for me uh, at the day job. Got a lot going on, but obviously Grizzlies basketball has returned a couple of weeks ago. The Memphis Grizzlies are somehow 4-2, and two, which is much better than the nightmare that we endured the last time we spoke. It's good vibes right now. Maybe not so much for Andrew Harrison, and we'll talk about that, but everybody else should be feeling pretty good about where the Grizzlies stand, comparatively speaking, and it's going to be all positivity. Uh, at least we're going to try here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Ways to get in touch with the show, if you're listening live, you can interact with us on Twitter, at GBB Live. Of course, you can also follow the blog, grizzlybearblues.com, at SBN Grizzlies. If you want to follow me, the lowly site manager of SB Nation's grizzlybearblues.com, you can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Mullinax. Happy to interact with you there. If you're listening to the show in the non-live version, that's totally fine as well, of course. Thank you for listening. You can hit us up if you have a question or a concern, a comment. By all means, do so there. We're on Apple iTunes as well. You can give us a review, uh, a nice comment on that medium as well. We have a loaded show tonight. I'm going to get right into it here in a moment, but I want to give a brief rundown. Later on, I'm going to be welcoming to the show and I believe welcoming to Memphis. I need to confirm that, uh, but I'm pretty sure, obviously he's coming back to Memphis, but David Cobb, I'm pretty sure will be making his first uh, radio podcast appearance since he took the new gig uh, with the Memphis Commercial Appeal. He will be the beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies here in the next few days or so, uh, taking over for Ron Tillery. Again, a lot has changed in the time since we last spoke. Uh, Tillery did a pretty solid job in his career in Memphis and uh, we wish Ron the best, but David Cobb will be joining us here in the second part of the show to talk about the newest Grizzlies to talk about Mike Conley, his scoring role, all sorts of fun things. And then in the last part of the show, uh, we are going to welcome on two GBBers who have really taken off since we last spoke here on the podcast, 
Parker Fleming and Big Nate Chester himself, Nathan Chester. They host the Core 4 podcast on this very same network of Grizzly Bear Blues podcast. They've done a remarkable job building up that brand very rapidly. They're having some success. I wanted to bring them on the show. Talk to Nate about how he has single-handedly ruined my life, or at least for a day he did, uh, when he tried to, you know, disgrace the name of Marcus Saul over at grizzlybearblues.com. I'll talk to him about that. It wasn't quite that bad, but you know how things get dramatic uh, around Grizz Nation. So we'll, we'll break that down. But before we get to all that, I do want to bring on our first guest, and I'm excited to have him on. He is a really fun read. Uh, he's, again, new to Memphis. I'm going to get him to confirm. I don't know if I'm his first podcast slash show or not. Uh, I, I have uh, been busy, like I said, with the day job, but I know that it's the first time he's ever been on GBB Live. He is with the Athletic Memphis, which got started during our hiatus. He and Peter Edmiston right there. Peter Edmiston, friend of the show, friend of GBB, of course. Uh, but this gentleman is going to be on the Grizzlies beat. He's done a great job so far, and I am excited to welcome Omari Sankova II to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome, Omari. How are you doing? Con- confirm for me. Am- are we the first appearance for you? Unfortunately, uh, I did do uh, Peter's show yesterday morning, actually. So uh, um, this is <laughs> appearance number two. He's just it's he your just first podcast. You I guess it's your first podcast. But this is my first podcast. This is my first okay. podcast. Yes. All right. Yeah. Peter. Peter has an okay radio show, but now you're in the big leagues here, Omari, with, with Grizzly Bear Blues Live. So uh, you can All ask right, Peter. Well, He's a big fan of the GBB bump, so to speak. So, uh, well, appreciate your time, Omari. Well, we know you're a busy man. It's a busy time of year for you as the Grizzlies get rolling here. Um, Like I said, I enjoy your work early on, and I know Memphis Grizzlies fans will as well over at the Athletic Memphis. Um, Let's jump right into it and take a look at your relationship with the Grizzlies because you're coming in from a, a different kind of place. You're kind of like me uh, in that you're a bit of an outsider, uh, I came from the Washington, D.C. area when I moved to Memphis several years ago and fell in love with the team, got started with the blog. Uh, And even now that I don't live in Memphis anymore, I'm still pretty close, obviously, with the Grizzlies. Um, You, on a professional side, have uh, quite a career that you built for yourself early on here, and you get this opportunity with Athletic Memphis. How much did you know about the Memphis Grizzlies coming into the gig? Because you were a pretty big NBA fan coming in. Did you follow the Grizzlies at all before taking the job? Yeah, yeah, I did. So, uh, you know, I followed uh, the NBA uh, very, very closely for, you know, most of my life, honestly, pretty much since I started watching the NBA when I was a kid. Um, so, you know, I did have pretty good knowledge of the, uh, you know, of the team, you know, who the key guys, you know, were in our uh, free agency findings, you know, things like that. And then I uh, kind of had a lead in uh, earlier this summer, because I am a uh, Michigan State alumnus, uh, graduated a couple years ago, and of course they uh, drafted Jaron Jackson Jr., who, you know, I watched all of his games last year, and, uh, you know, and of course when you went forth to the Grizzlies, uh, it's kind of fun because the Grizzlies obviously have had some other Michigan State bigs, and Zach Randolph, and uh, Deanna Davis, so, uh, you know, I had followed uh, Grizzlies basketball, to, you know, a pretty fair bit, so. Uh, thankfully, I'm not coming in completely cold because obviously that would <laughs> make the, the job substantially harder. Do you love Zach Randolph as much as Memphis loves Zach Randolph? Because I'm sure you've already gotten a ton of comments, questions. You've probably at least heard or seen it. People, now that Andrew Harrison is no longer a Grizzly, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, the rumor mill is wild. 
that Zach Randolph maybe is in the mix to be a guy that they add if the Sacramento Kings buy him out. Now, I don't know that that necessarily makes sense in terms of the roster makeup. Memphis needs somebody more like a Robin Lopez, Joe Kim Noah even. I'm not excited about that, but at least those would make a little more sense in terms of rim protection and defense in the paint. Uh, Zach doesn't really bring that to the table, but we can have fun. Uh, do you love Zach Randolph, Zebo, number 50 for the city, as much as Memphis does? Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously Zebo was one of, uh, you know, the first the first really big uh, Izzo guys to come out, you know, back in the, in the early mid-2000s. And uh, honestly, when I was apartment hunting down here a couple of weekends ago, I think I think two of the landlords that I uh, toured places with brought up like Zach Randolph immediately after I mentioned that I would be covering the Grizzlies. Like that was that was the first name that came up. So obviously, you know, he's a he, he, he's a guy that Memphis has truly truly embraced and loved. And I've just heard so many Zach Randolph stories just in the you know in the week I've been here. Uh, but yeah, you know, obviously as a Michigan State guy, uh, you know, I love Zebo. And if he were to, you know, come back to Memphis, which, you know, I guess who's to say, uh, you know, obviously that would be a great PR move for the Grizzlies front office, you know. Absolutely. And this is a team that's very conscious of their public relations and they do a great job with it. And I do think that Zach as a scorer fits what they need. Uh, Memphis certainly could use some help scoring the basketball, but it wouldn't necessarily fit in line with the other additions that they made in the offseason prioritizing defense. Zach is not a defender. You could argue he was a, a neutral defender at best at the peak of his career. Uh, now he most certainly is not that. We're chatting with Omari Sankova II. He does a great job covering the Memphis Grizzlies for the Athletic Memphis. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. If you don't already do so, at Omari, S-A-N-K-O-F-A. So, Omari, we mentioned your love of Michigan State basketball, and obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. is the latest and uh, arguably greatest Grizzlies draft pick. Uh, People maybe get ahead of themselves a little bit with hyperbole when it comes to being in the moment and current sports stars, but there's no denying that Jaron Jackson Jr. has pretty remarkable ability. You did a quick write-up, or a good write-up, I should say, over at The Athletic talking about Jaron Jackson Jr., how he fits into the Grizzlies, uh, some of his strengths as well as his, uh, his glaring weakness right now, which is the foul trouble that he struggles with. I believe he leads the NBA in fouls committed, uh, especially per minute or uh, per 48 or whatever it might be. Six, excuse me. So if you are looking at Aaron Jackson, because that's hard for Grizzlies fans. You get excited about a player, a young player, you see the good that he does, and then maybe you kind of slack off a little bit of some of his weak points. How excited should Grizzlies fans be? Maybe not down the road, because even me as a critic of the pick when it occurred, I acknowledged that Jaron Jackson Jr. was going to be a good basketball player. It was never about him not being good. It was about how soon could he be good for a team that's trying to be good now. And it looks like he is, if he's able to stay on the floor, capable of making more of an impact on both ends of the floor than most everyone thought, Peter Edmiston maybe being the exception. Um, but he's having issues staying on the floor, at least early on here in his NBA career. Uh, what are your general takeaways from Jaron Jackson Jr.'s play with the Grizzlies so far? Yeah, uh, I kind of touched on it uh, a little bit earlier and, you know, obviously in the story. But, uh, yeah, you know, being a Michigan State guy, I, you know, watched all of his games last year. You know, I certainly saw maybe a little bit more of him than I did uh, Wendell Carter Jr. or or Marvin Bagley. 
DeAndre Ayan. But uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a is a guy that can pretty much do everything you want a modern big to do. Uh, you know, you look at his stats at Michigan State last year. He blocked shots at a higher rate than Mo Bamba, and Mo Bamba obviously was, you know, considered the best defensive big in the draft. Uh, you know, he's a guy that had a pretty good post game. Uh, you know, he he showed some passing instincts here and there. You know, and he also showed the ability to stress the court. Uh, you know, you kind of hit it on my story, and uh, you know, and that's one thing I kind of noted, which is that he's kind of shown a little bit of, you know, everything he can do. Uh, you know, his, his, his three-point stroke hasn't really translated yet, but already we're seeing that he knows how to move in the post a bit. His defensive instincts are pretty solid. Uh, you know, his post game, you know, just he can do a lot of things on the court, and with him, there isn't a lot of hoping. Uh, well, I hope he develops this better. Like, I hope he develops that better. You know, with Aiden, you hope his defense gets better. With, you know, Bagley, you hope he, you know, can round out his post game somewhere. You know, with Jaron Jackson, Jerry, he's already pretty complete in a lot of ways. And the only issue with him is that he cannot stay on the court because he fouls at, at an absurd rate. Uh, you know, I believe it's, it's uh, 4.3 fouls a game, which is uh, second only to Andre Drummond. You know, but Drummond's playing starter minutes. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is not playing starter minutes because he's usually doesn't get to that point because he's, you know, picking up fouls, some of which are, you know, clearly his fault, some of which, uh, you know, which also J.B. Bickerstaff kind of said, you know, are fouls that maybe he wouldn't pick up if he were, you know, like a 6'4 guard, you know, rather than like a 6'11 big man. But it's been encouraging. You know, I think, I think you know, his first two weeks in the, in the league have been very, very encouraging. You know, it's encouraging that uh, some of the things Dick felt out in college are already beginning to come through. And, you know, and the Grizzlies don't need him to become a three-point marksman now. They don't need him to necessarily anchor the defense by himself right now. Those are things that, you know, he can kind of ease into, uh, you know, especially since Marcus Ross still playing at a pretty high level and, uh, you know, can kind of come into his own later on. So I think it's been encouraging, but the fouls, obviously, you know, have got to come down if he wants to see more court time this year. We had an article go up over at grizzlybearblues.com about the post game of Jaron Jackson Jr. and how he utilizes that little spin move that he does, brought it with him from Michigan State, and he's kind of tooled it a little bit to adjust to NBA length and a little bit of a fade to it now. It's pretty cool to see how he's developing, and I think that's one of the most exciting things about Jaron is you're watching somebody grow before your eyes. It's like Mike Conley again now. Hopefully it doesn't go sour for Jaron like it did for Mike at times. But I think that Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously has talent. He's really done a remarkable job in his limited time showing the depths of that talent and the height of that ceiling. It's just staying on the court like you mentioned. And, And you look at his percentages, and they're not even particularly good just yet. I mean, he's shooting 46%. From the field, roughly the same as, say, Marshawn Brooks. Now, Mark's only shooting 43%, Mike's only shooting 38%, so it's better than those two. Uh, but at the same time, his three point percentage is abysmal 15%. Uh, his rebounding numbers per 36 minutes, you'd like to see them at higher than 8.2. But he really shows a lot of depth in his game defensively, and body positioning is really a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, in terms of blocking off the lane on both offense and defense. He's averaging almost two steals per 36 minutes, a block and a half. He's doing some good things. And I think that it's important to keep in mind this guy is 19 years old. Pretty remarkable when you consider what he's going to be capable of and just how good he's going to be in the 
years to come. We're wrapping up here with Amari Sankova of the Athletic Memphis. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. If you don't already do so, at Omari, S-A-N-K-O-F-A, here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax. We talked about one article that detailed that postgame of Jaron Jackson Jr. over at grizzlybearblues.com. There's another post that went up this week. It actually went up on Thursday as we record this podcast, uh, detailing the need for the Grizzlies to take a or to get another big man. And obviously that post went up in the morning. Then the news of Andrew Harrison getting waived comes in the afternoon. You put two and two together, and obviously the Memphis Grizzlies are basing their general manager moves off of Grizzly Bear Blues blog posts. But in, in all seriousness, it feels like they're looking for something, and J.B. Bickerstaff essentially alluded to it in a media availability earlier today. They are looking for shooting. They're looking for another big. Jamichael Green obviously out for the foreseeable future, another few weeks, at least to a month. And JB did that Chandler Parsons is not expected to play on the upcoming three game road trip. So uh, out West. So it's really kind of interesting to see what they're going to do now that Andrew Harrison has been waived. Clearly they're happy with the Shell Mack. They have Javon Carter in the, uh, with the Memphis hustle who can be called up at any time to be a third point guard if they need one. Uh, do you think the Grizzlies need uh, a Robin Lopez, a Joe Kim Noah, one of those types of bigs, or do you think their roster, pretty sound as it is, and they're just doing this for uh, greater flexibility down the road. Well, I don't know about uh, Joakim Noah specifically. Uh, you, know, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how effective he's, he's you know, truly proven himself, you know, the last few years. But overall, I think I think you look at overall roster makeup and there's clearly a, a need for more of a traditional kind of defensive down low center who can Kind of anchor things whenever whenever Mark Gasol uh, takes a seat, you know, because Jaron Jackson isn't there yet, and uh, you know, and whether or not he gets there this year, uh, it's kind of hard to predict, uh, you know. And then obviously with Jamichael Green out with the broken jaw, there's there's clearly a hole there, and you know, I don't know if they can fill that hole organically, right? Because uh, Chandler Parsons, there's no way to predict uh, what you're going to get from him. Uh, Kyle Anderson obviously is more of a big guard than he is a, uh, you know, like a, a forward who can play in the post and anchor the defense. Uh, so there, 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 there is a need there. There is a need there. Uh, you know, whether or not the Andrew uh, Harrison, you know, his 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 waiting was because of that. Uh, you know, I I think it's easy to put two and two together. And you know, if you're in the front office, you look at the roster and you say, well, we don't need. Uh, another, you know, for a point guard, when we already have Garrett Temple, we have Sheldon Mack with a really, really good game on Tuesday. Uh, we have Kyle Anderson, who, as I mentioned, can play some guard. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't think that they're in a rush to steal uh, that 15th roster spot now, but maybe they'll, you know, take a chance with a couple of G League guys in the rest of the season. Maybe uh, an opportunity will arise for them to kind of plug that spot for good. But I think the flexibility that that spot gives them is uh, certainly more useful than having a fourth point guard who, you know, probably wasn't going to see that much time this year. No, you're exactly right about that. I don't see him growing into that necessarily anymore now that they've made the moves that they have. Again, they like Shelvin Mack a lot. And it gives them that roster and financial flexibility to be able to be more of a player with G League call-ups if they want to, obviously, trades down the road. So it makes sense from that standpoint, but I was still pretty high on Andrew Harrison. I thought he had a chance to be a 
good player. So I, I'm disappointed. I wish him the best. Um, I liked his frame as a point guard and as a wing, but it, it just didn't work out in Memphis. Um, last thing before I let you go, looking ahead to tomorrow night's game against the Utah Jazz, it was announced before we came on to record that Donovan Mitchell is going to be out for the Jazz uh, against the Grizzlies. Memphis beginning a pretty crucial early season three-game road trip, trying to maintain the positive momentum that they've developed going off to this start. How big of a deal do you think it is that Donovan Mitchell's out? Obviously, even a, a NBA layman can understand being without one of your best players is going to hurt you. But to me, missing out on Mitchell hurts maybe even more against the Grizzlies in this particular matchup because Memphis struggles to score the basketball. You know, Rudy Gobert is a great defensive player, but probably defensive for the year this coming year. I think that's a realistic goal for him. But at the same time, it's, it's going to be a low-scoring game with Memphis anyway, whether Rudy Gobert is there or not. So now Memphis has a chance to maybe hold up and keep up a little bit more with the scoring wing that is Donovan Mitchell, not a threat in this particular game. What do you think that that absence for Utah is going to do to help the Grizzlies possibly pick up another win out in Utah, which would be, if you had told me going into the season that they would beat Utah twice at Utah, I would have been ecstatic. And I think most Grizzlies fans would have been. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one with Donald Mitchell out, I think that this game has a pretty good chance of being the lowest scoring game of the year, which, you know, I guess based on uh, how the scores are booked, you know, just means that, you know, maybe both teams score under 105. Uh, I don't actually know what, you know, the, the lowest scoring game would be. But, yeah, I mean, for sure, with Donovan Mitchell not uh, playing in tomorrow's game, it gives the Grizzlies a much higher shot. Uh, Donovan Mitchell proved himself last year as being a player who, uh, you know, makes the game easier for everyone else, especially for a defense-first team as they are, in that he can put up uh, shots at a pretty high volume and, you know, do so relatively efficiently. Um, with him out, I think that this helps, you know, the, the, the Grizzlies and Missy. I think they become a much easier team to defend with, uh, you know, Garden Mitchell, who uh, can obviously freelance pretty well, uh, a pretty capable shooter, pretty capable playmaker, uh, and can get to the rim at a high rate. Uh, I think that simplifies the game for the rest of the Grizzlies just defensively and, uh, as you said, if they can get two wins at Utah, you know, within the first seven games of the year, then I think that puts them on a pretty favorable, favorable path, you know, at least for the early portion of the season, you know, because now you're looking at potentially a 5-2 start. I think everybody would take that. And anybody who says they wouldn't take that is a liar. And then you can look at the Sacramento Kings game and say that this team could easily be 6-1 and one. It's pretty awesome what they've been able to do so far. Again, comparatively speaking, are the Grizzlies going to win an NBA championship? Most likely not. Are are they better than Golden State or Utah even when they're healthy? You know, make an argument for Minnesota that they're not better than. There, there's several teams, lots of teams, that maybe have more talent than the Grizzlies, but it's so much better than what the, the fan base and the organization went through last year, uh, the necessary evil that was last year. We have Jaron Jackson Jr. for it. And in a roundabout way, I guess we have you for it now, kind of. So we'll, we'll take that as well. Omari, thank you so much for joining us here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, your first podcast appearance. I'll take that. Hopefully the first of many of us for us here at Grizzly Bear Blues. Um, thank you again, and we'll talk to you down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on tonight, Joe.
All right, there he goes. Thank you very much. There goes Omari Sankofa. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at Omari, S-A-N-K-O-F-A. Does a great job already uh, in his new gig over at the Athletic Memphis. Pretty cool that the Athletic has come to Memphis and some pretty awesome talent there with Peter Edmiston, as I mentioned before, friend of GBB over there, as well as Omari, of course. Uh, Hopefully we'll have him on the show plenty of times in the future pretty fun segment there lots of good information and i'm excited to read his stuff and work with him down the road so you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Monax, and we carry on to our next segment. Hot and heavy this week. I've got lots of guests for us on the season premiere of the grizzlybearblues.com signature flagship podcast and our guest here at this time, is another newbie, uh, kind of, to Memphis. I say kind of because he is a Memphian at heart. He's coming home. I'm excited to talk to him about that opportunity that he has. He officially starts back on the, or starts on the Memphis Grizzlies beat on November 3rd. Uh, I'm guessing I'm going to be wrong again saying this is his first official appearance, but that's okay. Uh, I'll go over to, uh, I'm excited. It's definitely his first appearance on GBB Live. This is soon to be of the Memphis commercial appeal or the commercial appeal i should say covering the memphis grizzlies david cobb david how are you sir joe i'm doing well and i must say i'm impressed because when i do other radio appearances those guys get commercial breaks they get to catch their breath you just transition right right to the next guest and and i gotta hope you've got a bottle of water there because that's got to be exhausting I do have a bottle of water, uh, a Yeti cup of water, I should say. And I've been doing this for a little while. I'll be honest, David, it's been a moment since I've been on the podcast. It's been about five months that I've been off. Um, But I've been doing this for a little bit. And, you know, there's a time that I did an hour and a half version of this show. This is only an hour here. Uh, But, yeah, I I can sustain uh, and and grind along much like the grit and grind grizzlies. Um, So I guess much like Omari, who was a great guest in our first segment, uh, welcome to Memphis. But in your case, it's kind of a welcome back. So for our listeners and those of uh, uh, that are part of the GBB community, just kind of give a brief rundown of your experience with Memphis and uh, what's brought you back in a way to the Grizzlies. Yeah, well, I was born and raised there. I mean, Bartlett, if you want to get technical. So uh, basically, uh, well, I, I consider myself a Memphian, I do, uh, and uh, for the last seven years, I've been mostly on the eastern part of the state, attended University of Tennessee, and have worked for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, the Knoxville News Sentinel, and some other outlets uh, covering University of Tennessee sports, And uh, but, uh, you know, I grew up following the Grizzlies, grew up uh, a fan of the Grizzlies, was there in 2011 when, when Zebo buried the Spurs in game six, and of course, that was a great moment, and so... I've got an appreciation sort of from, from the civic side of, of what uh, the Grizzlies mean to the city. And, uh, you know, so I'm coming back now as a beat writer uh, for the Commercial Appeal, which is pretty wild, um, you know, because that's a paper I grew up reading. And so it's, it's a unique opportunity and, and something that would, would have been impossible to pass up. So, so I'm excited to uh, 
to kind of dive in and, and really uh, explore this franchise uh, as a reporter, as a journalist now. Yeah, that's really a, a pretty cool opportunity for you, and I'm excited that you have the chance to come back to Memphis. And uh, one of my favorite things about the city of Memphis, the community there and, and the Grizzlies and the unifying force that they are, so many different people from so many different walks of life uh, are starting to kind of get into, you know, as the team is there longer and developing more of a footprint, you know, it's really kind of neat to have those stories like the 2011 uh, series that you just mentioned with Zach Randolph. You know, that that's the reason that I'm a Grizzlies fan, that, that I'm doing what I'm doing now with grizzlybearblues.com because of that series, that playoff run. So as the Grizzlies kind of continue to mature in the Memphis community, it's pretty cool to see how it all plays out and comes full circle in the case of you uh, coming back now to be the second beat writer in the history of the Memphis Grizzlies from the commercial appeal. Uh, somebody who was a part of that playoff run that you mentioned, obviously the core four was kind of entering their peak and prime during that time period. Mike Conley was a young whippersnapper, about 24 years old during that stretch. He's now 31, has a kid too, I believe. And he is still a pretty important cog to the Grizzlies machine, especially offensively. Now, Memphis has been a bear offensively. I think everybody understands and agrees with that. Pretty good defensively. Their defensive rating currently has them slated as the number three defense in the NBA. But their offensive rating, not so hot. They're at 23, which is better than I thought they would be. And a major reason for that is Mike Conley and the existence of Mike Conley in this offense. He's counted on to be a scorer. He's scoring 19 points a game, which is almost four whole points better than the next closest scorer, Marc Gasol. Uh, he's doing it on a lot of attempts and not so efficiently at 38% from the field total, 28% from three. Conley is clearly the guy that they're looking to to score the ball. And most people kind of saw this coming. I definitely wrote about it a lot over the offseason, how the addition of Garrett Temple, Kyle Anderson, those types of guys that we'll talk more about here in a moment, it allows for Mike to play off the ball more and be more of that scorer. And that's the role he kind of needs to play for this Memphis team to have success. But in your watching of the Grizzlies, obviously with Conley being the focal point of the offense, do you think given the fact that he's 31 years old, given the fact that he's coming off of a surgery uh, on his heel that took away much of his season last year, is this sustainable for Mike? Do the Grizzlies, I mean, obviously, <laughs> most people would say they need more scoring. But do you think that Mike Conley oh. in the middle of an 18 or 19 point per game score, is this sustainable for Memphis moving forward? Well, you know, I mean, I think they're going to have to find him some nights off here and there. I think they'll have to be strategic about that, as you would with, with any uh, player of his status and his age. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I think for the, for the most part it's sustainable. It just in a, in a general sense, when you look at the Grizzlies' top contributors right now, if you want to say that that's Mark, Mike, and Garrett Temple, you know, all three of those guys are over 30, so there's some natural – fears that come along with that but, but yeah I don't think he's doing anything uh you know that's just otherworldly or unsustainable I mean I think his three-point percentage is going to only increase as the season goes on and and uh you know I, I think that, that he's um had a decent start to the season but I, you heard him tell Rob Fisher I forget which game it was but after the game you know Rob grabs him as he's going off the court and they're talking and and Mike kind of just casually mentions that he's still catching it you know, his win to where he can be, you know, full go in the fourth quarter down the stretch in some of these games. And so I think that he's, he's acknowledging that, that he's still kind of finding his legs a little bit. And, and I, you know, I don't think that's anything to panic about because I think that's just the, uh, 
the natural recourse of missing the time that he did and, uh, you know, trying to reintegrate to a high level of basketball for 30 plus minutes a night. That's 100% fair. I think that's something that's easily forgettable. As much as it was harped on last year, the absence of Conley due to injury, he's still coming back into game shape. And you can be on the elliptical or the treadmill or five-on-five scrimmages. You can do all those things all you want. But there is no substitute for playing NBA basketball at its highest level, at least regular season level. And that's what he's trying to get into is that game shape. I'm with you. I think that he can definitely improve his shooting percentages. I think that as you get Marcus all more acclimated, as you get these other players more comfortable, because again, as we're about to talk about, there's so many new faces on these, on this Grizzlies roster. They're still trying to figure out who, how they like the ball pass best to them or who likes the bounce pass better than the chest pass, who likes the ball in transition better than coming off of a screen. They're still learning to play with each other in terms of the basketball court. So all of that's going to kind of come into play and get more comfortable as time goes on. And Conley is definitely a great example of that uh, for sure. We are now talking with David Cobb, uh, soon to be of the Memphis Commercial Appeal. He is going to be the new beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. If you don't already do so, at David W. Cobb, that's C-O-B-B. Now, the Grizzly Bear and Blues Live question of the day. Every time we do a podcast, David, and hopefully you'll be a guest on here multiple times, we have a question of the day. And that question is a chance for fans to vote and have their voice heard on the podcast. Today's question, and uh, thanks to the 150 folks who voted in the poll, which new member of the Grizzlies have you been most impressed with so far? So it obviously I talked with Amari about Jaron Jackson Jr. and he's a natural choice to be excited about. The four options were Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., Garrett Temple, and Shelvin Mack. Now sadly, Shelvin Mack got no votes, which is very sad. Uh, world's smallest violin playing for Shelvin <laughs> Mack. Um, but I was kind of surprised that the biggest vote getter, and it was a runaway landslide victory, was Garrett Temple. Now now Garrett Temple is a guy who's averaging 14 points a game. He's shooting 51.6% from three. Certainly not sustainable on that front. Um, But it's a guy who clearly fit the type of the Grizzlies going into the offseason. Smart basketball player, that high basketball IQ that everybody talks about. He has length. He understands how to play team defense. He's a very good leader in that locker room. And he's kind of a nice foil alongside Conley and Gasol because you can trust him to do his job. He's going to play basketball to his best of his ability. He's going to play within himself and within the scheme that's put in by the coaches. Yeah, he's a career 34% three-point shooter, or 36%, excuse me, three-point shooter. He's probably going to fall back to that mean a little bit. But at the same time, I think I agree with the voters. I like Kyle Anderson. We'll talk more about him as well. But to me, Garrett Temple has been that most impactful addition so far just because when Mark has been off or when Mike has been off, Garrett Temple has found ways to explode right now offensively and been what this team needs as a third scorer. I'm not sure it's sustainable or not, but it certainly has been fun to watch. Garrett Temple has been a heck of an addition to the Grizzlies considering they essentially gave up nothing for him. Oh, yeah. Well, no doubt. He, he's been great early on. You know, I, I will take up for, if you want me to participate in the poll, I'll take up for, for Shelvin Mack. Uh, okay, so for my thing with Mack, and, and look, I haven't I haven't been around this team. I haven't had a chance to build relationships, you know, with, with, with folks or anything. But, but just from watching this team from afar, I think that uh, when you th- look at the long-term approach or what this team might need to make a playoff run or why this team 
would be comfortable parting ways with Andrew Harrison uh, today. It's because what they've seen, I think, from Sheldon Mack is is very encouraging. And, and obviously Garrett Temple's been out of this world so far, but like you mentioned, his shooting percentage is probably not sustainable. So I think over, over the long haul, uh, Sheldon Mack might – uh, proved to be, you know, sort of the the biggest offseason pickup or one of them, uh, just because uh, he's really sort of alleviated the pressure from Mike Conley having to be on the floor, you know, more than he's ready to be at this point. And, uh, you know, he's just been a really solid uh, backup point guard. And, and I think the numbers that he's posted and what he's done uh, so far this season for the Grizzlies, if you look back over his career, uh, the stats that he's posted this year mirror the stats that he's posted throughout his career for for, the, for a large uh, part. So, uh, so I do think that what Sheldon Mack has done is sustainable, and, and I think that's uh, you've got something to like there if you're uh, the front office. The one thing that probably isn't sustainable, again, he's shooting 44.4% from three. That seems super good for him, and, and but the drop-off for him will not be as noticeable as it is for Garrett Temple. I think that's a fair point to make. And listen, right. you will get no argument from me that the Grizzlies have had a long, long time period of bad backup point guards, and people thought that Andrew Harrison could maybe be the answer to that. There's a lot of folks that are high on Javon Carter, what he can be. But to me, Carter was always a pick for the end of the bench to spend half of his time with the Memphis Hustle in the G League. And I didn't dislike the pick for it. I think Carter fits what they're trying to do, but he needs a year to kind of get used to the speed of the NBA. Obviously, he'll still play in NBA games, but I didn't see him as ready to be the backup point guard right now. I do think, obviously, that Sheldon Mack is ready to do that. And if your plan is to be as competitive as possible, it makes sense to have a guy who can play that position, not just as a 13 or 14 minutes a night guy, but as someone who can fill in in spot starts, as someone who can play the 24, 25, even 30 minutes a game that he's had to play, allowing for Mike Conley to be that scorer off the ball. That's extremely valuable to have. And I think that, uh, you know, obviously they're paying Garrett Temple pretty well. I think it's uh, about $8 million for Garrett Temple. Shelvin Max on the veteran minimum. So he's uh, definitely a bargain buy for the Grizzlies. We're finishing up here with David Cobb at David W. Cobb on Twitter. He is soon to be the beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I know he is excited to come back to Memphis and I'm excited to read his work and follow along with him at commercial appeal, all the great stuff he's going to do. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule here, David. And as you mentioned, you're kind of getting back into the swing, covering the team. Uh, Memphis is four and two at this stage. Um, the teams that they've beaten are not very good. They beat the Washington Wizards. They beat the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Utah Jazz obviously being the best of those four. And then the Atlanta Hawks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're four and two. But I, I think it's fair to say that if you're expecting the Grizzlies to be a 500 to sub-500 team, they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, and they're losing to the teams that they are supposed to lose to. I think that you would probably swap the Utah and Sacramento outcomes if you were going into the season. And I probably would still have this team at four and two to start. Things are going to get tougher eventually, uh, but at the same time, let's enjoy this for a moment. As I've been talking about, let's be positive here, David. We're looking at a team that, again, was abysmal last year, just completely and utterly terrible, and they are four wins over 500 right now. That's something to be optimistic about. Are you surprised that they've started this well, or are you kind of like me? When you look at the schedule, you say you swap the Sacramento and the Utah games, and they're about what I thought they would be. 
Well, no, I'm not surprised because one, they they started pretty well last season too. Uh, sorry to sorry to bring up last Mike. season, but but they did. They started pretty well last season before Mike Conley uh, went down, and and I think people kind of overlooked. Me- I mean, this is the main thing, but people kind of overlooked Memphis because obviously they don't have any any household names. It's a small market, but the reality is when when this group is healthy, they're still a playoff team. I I, I believe that. I think. I think the uh, the track record is there with the players that they're relying on to to say that you know what yeah they are a playoff team because you know there were seven straight playoff seasons uh, before last year so so I, I yeah I mean I, I think that I'm not surprised because I think that they've been fairly healthy so far you know obviously mainly referring to Mike and Mark when I say that because obviously uh, Jermichael Green and, and Chandler Parsons have had their woes already but as long as Mike and Mark stay healthy this is a, a a formidable Grizzlies team. They're a Grizzlies team that's going to be able to, uh, you know, hang with with almost anybody. Not maybe not the Warriors, you know, on a night in night out basis, but but they'll be able to hold their own. It's just, uh, no, it's an 82 game grind, man. And and uh, you know they've got, like I mentioned, three guys over the age of 30. So so you just sort of have to brace for that, um, and with the rigors, you know, that are going to be a part of that. But as of right now, no, I'm not surprised. I think four and two is is, is about where. You know, I uh, probably expected this team to be, and uh, we've still got a lot to learn about, about them. And there's a real possibility they could be six and three at the end of this road trip because Utah, as we talked about in the last segment, without Donovan Mitchell for their game Friday night. Then you've got the Suns at Phoenix, a uh, not so good basketball team, but it is at home. And in fairness, Memphis is hit or miss at times as well. The second night of the back to back is going to be Golden State and the Warriors, probably not going to win that game. But if you are able to pick off these next two, you go home at six and three, you're almost 10 games into your schedule and you've guaranteed yourself a winning record through those first 10 games. I feel like most folks would take that in the grand scheme of things. If the goal is to be competitive and the front office has made it look like that is their goal through their actions, six and four, you definitely are excited about that. But you look down Murderer's Road, Denver, Philadelphia, Utah again, the Bucks. They need to rack up as many wins as they can because it's going to get a lot tougher pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'll be around for that, so I'll have some more insight at that time. You know, obviously, once I get around this team, all that shoot-arounds, that practices in the locker room a little bit, you know, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you'd rather play the uh, – uh, the Suns or a Donovan Mitchell-less uh, Utah Jazz team uh, on the road probably than have face uh, Giannis and a really you know hot Bucks team at home. So uh, you know they they've got their work cut out for them. But uh, you know it'll be it'll be fun to see uh, if the community can kind of get behind this team if they can stay above 500. If, if uh, you know if the Grizzlies can compete with Penny Mania and, and maybe draw some big crowds uh, before the new year, I think that would I think it would be encouraging for the franchise to see that and and certainly encouraging uh, for the players to feel a little buzz uh, around the forum after what they suffered through last year. Penny definitely has brought energy back to the Memphis Tigers. The Grizzlies have kind of had the run of things for several years in terms of being the only show in town. There's definitely competition now with Penny back at the helm, or Penny at the helm, I should say, of the Tigers. I'm excited to read your work. I'm excited to follow along with you as the season goes on. As I mentioned before, Hopefully not the last time to have you on the show. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to talking with you down the road. No problem. Thanks, Joe. All right. There he goes. David Cobb at David W. Cobb on Twitter. Uh, Literally on November 3rd, as it says on his Twitter bio, he takes over as the main guy, the dude 
as the beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at David W. Cobb, C-O-B-B. Excited to uh, interact with him more about the Grizzlies down the road. A Memphian. It's nice to have a Memphian in that role that kind of gets how the city and the team interact and intersect so seamlessly. Pretzel Crust fans rejoice because it's backed by popular demand. Little Caesars Large Soft Pretzel Crust Pizza featuring a creamy cheddar cheese sauce, pepperoni, and a four cheese blend surrounded by a delicious salted soft pretzel crust for just $6. Hot and ready every day between 4 and 8 and only 6 bucks from the home of Pretzel Crust Pizza, Little Caesars. Pizza Pizza at participating locations plus tax. We're heading into our final segment here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax, and I am excited to bring these next two on. They have taken to GBB like uh, young fish to water. I am so excited about these two guys, talented young writers. They're hungry. They're doing very well for themselves as long as they're not getting me in trouble and getting me yelled at on our comment sections and online. Uh, they have a great podcast as part of our network. 4-4 podcast. Make sure you're giving that a follow and a listen and a review. Uh, as the as the young bulls put it, gas up your homies. And uh, I think they say treat them like kings. I'm sure they'll berate me shortly for trying to use the vernacular of the youth. But anyway, these are two great senior young writers for us over at GBB. And I'm excited to have them on the podcast to close out the show. This is Nathan Tester and Mark Fleming. Fellas, am I doing this right? Am I gassing up the homies? Yeah, you're doing oh, a pretty good job. You're doing it so Ah, see, I'm I'm not I'm with it, as the young people say. What's up, young kids? Uh, I I am as cool as they come. Now that I've made everybody terribly uncomfortable that is listening to this podcast, uh, thank you guys. I appreciate you all the work you do over at the blog, of course, and I'm excited to have you both here on the show. Um, and I'm going to be on the Core 4 podcast, which will instantly lower the cool factor of your guys' show, but I, I appreciate the invite. Um, I, I'm going to lead off with Nathan, because Nathan got me in trouble last week, and uh, it hurt my feelings, to be honest with you, the, the way that people talked about me in response to Big Nate Chester, also known as Luka Doncic, this guy over here writing an article about Marcus All being a, a, someone who needs to move on from Memphis. It just wasn't, it isn't going to work out. Uh, I don't want to, and I'll let you defend yourself here in a second, Nate. I didn't even agree with the article, and, and I'm getting crucified for the take of you because I'm supposed to apparently censor articles that don't agree with me. That, that's not fair to me. So I think that you owe me an apology, Nate. We can lead off of that. Yeah, I'll give you an apology for writing what I believe the truth is because um, (laughs) I'll write whatever I want as long as I think it's the truth, and I thought that was the truth at the time that I wrote it. It seems like you have an audience that – it seems like we have an audience that only wants us to write things that they agree with and things that they love, and I don't think that should be the case. No, and as I said – Obviously, Memphis is unique in terms of being a market that's very close-knit, and the connection to the Grizzlies is closer than, say, the one to the Wizards is with the Washington Post or something like that up here where I am. Um, but at the same time, we as a national blog, I think we owe it to our audience, Parker, to, to be upfront and honest about our how we perceive the team. I thought Nate did a pretty good job of that, and even though I may not agree with the content, it was a well-written post. So, 
Marcus All may not be very happy with him, Parker, but I I was pretty happy with the article, and I know you defended him as well. Yeah, I mean, like Nate said, we're not here to just talk about the sunshines and rainbows of Grizzlies basketball. We got to sometimes hit the stuff that's going to hit hard, you know. And with some of the stuff that recently came out with Andrew Harrison, uh, let's just say that content may just keep on coming. Yeah, uh, not the most positive of times. Uh, in some spots, again, I have to stress, being 4-2 and two is pretty nice, but th- there's still some, some tidbits here and there, and I know uh, we had some Andrew Harrison fans on our staff. I was one of them, kind of disappointed that he was released, but I, I get it. We can talk more about that. Uh, let's dive in a little bit more to Marcus All and, and his current state as a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. He's shooting 50% from three right now, which is pretty nice. I'm here on basketballreference.com. Uh, he is averaging 15.3 points a game. My biggest thing that I'm most optimistic about is the fact that he looks – listen, he's never going to be that defensive player of the year guy again. He doesn't have the foot speed that he once did. You've got guys like Rudy Gobert, Kawhi Leonard, even Draymond Green. There's plenty of defenders that are better than him. But I do think that you're seeing him with a bit more of a commitment on that end. And maybe it's because J.B. Bickerstaff has recommitted there. Maybe it's because of the schemes that are being implemented. But I'll start with you on this, Nate, because I know you, you love Mark. You made that very clear in your post. I'm excited to see him more engaged defensively. He has to be the anchor for a defense that's third in the NBA right now, right? No, he absolutely is. And uh, it looks over the last week that that article I wrote is not particularly timed because over the last two games, he's been playing great, averaging about 19 points a game. And like you said, he's up to shooting 50% from three on the season. And one thing I'll concede from my post last week is that I talked about Marcus All has undergone a bit of a decline. And I believe that he has, but on the one hand, he's obviously playing very well lately. And I don't think it's quite as sharp of a decline as I once painted it to be. Sure, like you said, he doesn't quite have the foot quickness that he has. and He's not quite the player that he used to be. But he is still a very good leader on the team and has shown itself over the last several games. Absolutely. And I think that the, the concept of decline, that it's like it's a dirty word, Parker, because you hear the word decline and you automatically, oh, they think he sucks. Right? They think Marcus All sucks. These stupid Grizzlies fans that run a blog, they don't know what they're talking about. Clearly, Marcus All doesn't suck. When you say a player declines, Marcus All, three years ago, arguably the best big man in the entire NBA on both ends of the floor. If you combine his all around game, you can make a very logical argument that Marcus All was the best big in the entire NBA. Maybe you discuss Draymond Green here and there. Uh, but in terms of combining offensive ability, defensive ability, how important he was, it was Marcus, at least to lots of people in Memphis, of course. So when you say there's a decline, if you're declining from that point, you're still capable of success. You just can't have that success that you had consistently before, that level of success, as consistently now. So to me, when I say decline, and when Nate says decline, and I agree with him, his game has declined. But that doesn't mean he's still a good basketball player. Clearly he is. Yeah, um, I know one of my big complaints with Mark Gasol and his quote-unquote decline was I kind of found him struggling against younger athletic centers that are above-the-rim threats. Because, I mean, used to, he can contain guys like DeAndre Jordan, but I think it was after the All-Star break in 2017 
I watched back-to-back matchups where Nerland Noel and Clint Capella abused him. I watched games last year where Bam Adebayo and Julius Randle had their way with him just because he's getting slower on that end. But I think the Grizzlies have done a really good job of building uh, supporting cast of really good defenders to kind of offset that decline defensively. Because, I mean, Kyle Anderson, by the metrics, is a defensive superstar. Garrett Temple and Mike Conley are solid perimeter defenders as well. And then, obviously, Jaron Jackson was probably the best defensive player in the draft. So, they're doing a lot to really offset that decline and it's honestly making Mark look better. We are talking with the two hosts of the very popular Core 4 podcast, at the Core 4, the number 4 podcast on Twitter. Uh, Parker Fleming at Paka, P-A-K-A underscore Flocka. And then at Big Nate Chester, excuse me, at Big Nate Chester is our other guest at this time. Two great senior staff writers over at Grizzly Bear Blues. They also are doing a terrific job, as I mentioned, with that Core 4 podcast. We can move on from Marcus Saul for a moment, and we can take a look at this team as a whole. I talked about the question of the day in my segment with David And Garrett Temple was a runaway winner in terms of the newcomer that's impressed the most. Kyle Anderson only got about 5% of the vote, but you mentioned there, Parker, and I'll let you go first here on this one. Parker, you, you notice the the defensive impact of Kyle Anderson and I see it as well. Marcus all is the anchor. I think that's pretty clear, but I also think it's just as clear that Kyle Anderson is the number two and you don't have the defensive efficiency that you have right now. If you don't have Kyle Anderson's length, his ability to play passing lanes, his understanding of defensive rotations. As people have said all summer long, heading into the fall now, Grizzlies clearly had a type in the offseason. And while Kyle Anderson may not be an elite scorer by any stretch of the imagination, you can certainly say he's an elite defender. And I've been impressed, Parker, with what Kyle Anderson has brought to the table so far, which, of course, knowing my track record means he's doing. Yeah, you know, I don't. I really don't want Kyle Anderson to fall under the Molinax curse of wings that uh, Jeff Green and Shannon Parsons fell victim to. But if I came out and said like that the wing said, guru was the best wings in Memphis, they would immediately have terrible wings. That's how bad I am, Memphis Grizzlies wings. Yeah, but uh, like you said with Anderson, I've been really impressed with his defense. Um, I have a column going up tomorrow about making use of Kyle Anderson, even though he's not a prolific scorer. And I looked at all the defensive metrics from this season and last season, and he ranks in, like, the top 20, top 25 in almost every single one of them. So he's obviously a great defender by any metric. And also, like, he plays passing lanes very well. He's very good at picking pockets. And I've never seen this before. You know how, like, in basketball, you've always been taught to play defense with your palms up? Sure. Yeah, he plays with his palms like straight out. It's almost like he's like trying to give a high five, and then he swats underneath. I've never seen it, and I'm so fascinated by it. I don't know why. But another thing, too, another thing offensively, though, is for his career, he's about a 48% shooter, and he's shooting 38% right now. And that's going to go up. I mean, granted, he's not going to take any threes, but if he can get that field goal percentage up, that puts him – averaging around like 8 to 10 points a game. And if you can get between 8 to 10 points, he's averaging 8 rebounds a game as a starter, and then about 3 or 4 assists and 2 steals, that's an insanely good pickup for the price they paid for him. 
he's just so unique. He's such a unique basketball player. And I think that's why I like him so much. It's he goes, and again, Memphis said they were going to go out and they were going to go against the grain in terms of building opposite of what Golden State is doing. And then they invested their mid-level exception in Kyle Anderson. They did exactly what they said they were going to do. They got arguably the most unique player in the entire NBA, a wing who can play multiple positions, who can facilitate offense, who can defend multiple spots, who doesn't like to shoot the three in an era of launching three-pointers like their uh, you know, candy into the sky or beads at Mardi Gras. And he is capable of doing so many different things for this Grizzlies team. It looks like J.B. Bickerstaff is still trying to figure out how to use him, Nate, and I think that's kind of understandable. We're still early in the season. What do you think is the best use of Kyle Anderson moving forward? Because, again, the definition of success with Kyle Anderson is not going to involve scoring, at least not for him. Uh, so an idea, uh, I'll let Nate go ahead. This one. So an idea that I had for Kyle Anderson, so let me go ahead and clear the record here, that when they first picked him up, I was not particularly happy about it. I thought the Grizzlies needed more perimeter firepower. And, of course, I, along with everybody else, was aware of their shift to the new slash old grit and grind identity. They want to go against the grain. They want to build a defensive first team. But when I heard Kyle Anderson, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you don't have Tyreek. You don't really have any real true scores outside of Mike Conley, maybe Dylan Brooks and Chandler Parsons coming from the perimeter. How is this team going to score the basketball? And there was pretty much a running joke going around that everyone thought Kyle Anderson was going to be a great player just because every time San Antonio picks up a player at the latter end of the first round, everyone assumes that Greg Popovich and that coaching staff will coach them up into a good player. And while he had shown flashes, he had been a solid playmaker and a good defender in San Antonio, he had never really uh, turned into that really good, reliable role player that San Antonio is most known for. So I allowed myself to get talked into it by a lot of people, and I was, but I still was not quite particularly thrilled by it. And that was definitely coming back when I saw him struggling through the first couple of games. But I kind of turned on him against Washington. I, my opinion on him totally flipped because I could really see all the different areas of versatility that he brings to the game. It was absolutely hilarious to me because it was like an old man at the YMCA stat line. He put up <laughs> five points, 11 rebounds, five assists, three steals. The type of guy who's impacting the box scores is all the way across without really being an effective scorer. And I'm thinking that has got to be the most Grizzlies player I've ever seen. But what I want to see from Kyle Anderson going forward, we know he can make plays with a basketball in his hands. We know he's a really good defender, extremely long arms, a great pickpocket, and can guard the other team's best perimeter player. I want to see him become more of a primary ball handler, which is not something that I've seen from him so far over the seasons with the way J.B. Bickerstaff has been using him. And I think it would also help his rhythm more if he had the ball in his hands because you saw it against Phoenix. He looked like Tony Allen in the first three or four minutes of the game, bricking three straight point-blank layups before uh, J.B. Bickerstaff uh, brought in Dylan Brooks for him. So allow put the ball in his hands, allow him to initiate the offense more and get him in a rhythm. And it's not only that, I think he will help the team in other ways to that because Mike Conley, especially in the 2016-17 season, showed himself to be a dominant off-the-ball scorer. He is great at operating in space, 
his shooting percentages were through the roof, both off spot up and when he was off the ball back in 2016-17. So put Mike Conley in those situations where he doesn't always have to initiate the offense, and you may be able to maximize Conley and Kyle Anderson at the same time. Parker, I'll let you finish up on that. And then, uh, believe it or not, we have a caller, boys. So so we'll see who this caller is. But, Parker, I'll let you finish up on Kyle Anderson there and how you feel. Because you mentioned you're going to have an article on the blog on Friday. How has Kyle Anderson kind of improve and grow in your eyes in this Grizzlies team? Um, for one, I think regardless, he needs to be in the starting lineup just because of how good of a defender he is. But also, too, like when Michael Green went down, Everybody was worried about rebounding. And honestly, I think Kyle Anderson has been just as good, if not better, at rebounding. And also, he's unique in the fact that like, he needs to blow in his hand. So if he does get a rebound, a defensive rebound, he can go ahead and start the offense. He gets Mike Conley out on the break. He gets Temple out on the break. It really opens up the offense a little more. And so I agree with Nate. I think you need to have Anderson more on the ball um, as, I mean, he's not a. He's not a perimeter threat by any means, but he's an awesome playmaker. And I also think to make the playoffs in the Western Conference, you need Mike Conley averaging 22, 23 points a game. Um, so just why not? Open up more opportunities for your arguably your best score. All right. Now, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the history of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I have a sneaky suspicion as to who this caller is, but I'm just going to – I'm going to bring him on, and, and we're going to see what he has to say, if it's who I think it is. Hello, you're, you're on with uh, with Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Who is this? Good evening. This is the Unk. Ah, uh, it's the Unk. I knew, I knew it was going to be the Unk. All right, Unk. It's hey, a new hey, thing. Hey, hold on. Let, let's see what the Unk has to say. Do you wish to interrupt the Unk? No, they they don't, Unc. They're young. Forgive them, Unc. Just just go ahead, Unc. The Unc forgives them. The Unc is fair. First and foremost, the Unc sends kind greetings to his valued constituents listening to this podcast. The Unc is ensconced in his alternate bunker in an undisclosed location. The Unc now speaks directly to Mr. Illuminati. For the unk knows Mr. Illuminati is in fact listening, and the unk knows what Mr. Illuminati knows. He knows the mistakes he has made and must atone for these transgressions. The unk knows you're listening. The unk will now speak for a moment on a subject often explicated upon by the allegedly esteemed site manager of GBB. <laughs> <sighs> Joe Mullinax, who is apparently <laughs> terrified of the young. The young's choice of subject for the moment is Chandler Parsons. Oh, geez. Be, be gentle, Unc. Be gentle with me. The young truly believes Mr. Parsons is doing everything he can to return to the playing of the game of basketball. However, it should be clear to all especially certain obnoxious fanboys, <coughs> Joe Mullinax, <coughs> that Mr. Parsons' knees are less than cooperative in this endeavor. In all lives, change is inevitable, such is the nature of our existence. 
And when we reach these changes in these seasons of our lives, we must face them with honor, dignity, and courage. Sometimes, Joe, these changes are easy. Sometimes, Joe, these changes are difficult. Sometimes they fill us with joy, and sometimes, Joe, we are filled with grief. Would you agree, Joe? Yes, I would agree. I grieve for Chandler Parsons on an almost daily basis. I do. At least my idea of what Chandler Parsons could have been, Unc. You have repented, Joe. The Unc forgives you. No matter the circumstances, we must take the honorable, correct, and good path. The failure to do so is a failure of our character. Others will recognize this failure if we fail to act and judge us appropriately. You know, the UNC has attempted to be fair regarding Mr. Parsons and Mr. Mullinax. The UNC has wished them both well, even when Mr. Parsons traveled to Chan. Coon? Um, but <laughs> now the young feels it is time for Mr. Parsons to take medical retirement. The young would, of course, wish Mr. Parsons nothing but the best. This could, of course, lead to an interesting scenario, Joe. Would you not agree? Yes, I think that a medical retirement, obviously, that brings in questions with the contract and how that all would play out, but it certainly would alleviate some pressure on the Grizzlies as well as Chandler Parsons and his health. It's possible to say the least. It's certainly more possible than I thought it was a year ago. The the Unk realizes that the Unk may be heavily criticized, chastised, and, and even castigated for his next statements. Nevertheless, the Unk, after extensive discussions with his valued and beloved constituency, feels compelled to represent his people. Has the Yunk always represented his people, Joe? Yes, he has done a remarkable job representing his valued constituency. The constituency has spoken, and they want one thing, Joe. Bring 50 home. Bring Zach Randolph home. Bring him home to the grindhouse. Bring him home to work with young Jaron Jackson Jr., a fellow Spartan transitioning into a new world of battle. Bring him home to provide veteran leadership in the locker room, to deliver the hard truths when necessary. Most of all, bring him home to do what he does best, rebound, Z-bound, and down in the block, beat that ass. The young does not know how this could be accomplished. The young merely knows it would be for the best for the team, the franchise, the fan base, and the city. Even in a small role, Zach's presence would be helpful. The young has spoken. Are you not entertained? I will now take your questions. <laughs> Unc, I'm going to be honest with you. That was uh, about as good as it could possibly be. I have no further questions. Uh, I am so appreciative of your time, Unc, and and I wish you a good night, sir. Good night. Wow. Uh, Parker, Nate, we just got unked. 
Uh, I know it's your first time. I was time. not expecting that. I, it, it, I, I do not know how to respond right now. That was some of the most lovely. He needs his own radio show. He has Grizzly Bear Blues Live is uh, what he has. I'm honestly um, paralyzed right now. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> well, we have been on. Um, it is a, an occurrence that happens from time to time here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. We appreciate the Unk and his valued constituency being listeners uh, to GBB Live. Uh, let's unpack a couple of the, the main points there from the Unk um, to end the show here. Uh, we're trying to take back uh, a, a semblance of sanity now that the Unk has spoken uh, here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Joe Molinax, joined by Parker Fleming and Nate Chester, senior writers over at grizzlybearblues.com. The first part, the, the idea of a medical retirement from Chandler Parsons. What do we think, guys? Nate, I'll start with you. Is that realistic? Do you think Chandler is, is at the place now where that needs to happen? Obviously, we, don't, we aren't privy to his medical records, but, you know, the, the blasted knee soreness has returned, and I'm not sure he'll ever be able to be a comparable or a competent, I should say, basketball player for an extended period of time ever again has the time come for this to be seriously considered i don't think he's going to do it but should it be done i think we're still at the point where it's too early he's very obviously never going to be the player that he was and anyone who still thinks that needs to get with reality now of course he writes a piece in the players tribune talking about how he wants to earn it for the city of memphis for the very first time that he wants to be out on the court performing at a level that he, uh, the level he wants to play at nearly every single game. And in preseason, it looked like he was just about there. Of course, he wasn't playing at that same level that he used to, but he was able to play back-to-back, and he generally looked healthier than he ever had. And yet, here we are a couple of games into the season, and it seems like the old knee issues are still flaring up. I personally think it's still too early. I'm going to give him a little bit of more time before I make a judgment call like that. And he's already expected to not be available over this next three-game road trip. That's not comforting. I want to give it to the All-Star break because there's no rush on something like this, especially before the offseason and free agency. But I want to wait until then. And if he's still doing the exact same things that he's always done where he's unable to play back-to-back and his knees are continuing to flare up, let's take the Grizzlies and let's take basketball out of the equation entirely for just a second. Let's think about Chandler Parsons. Does he want to continue to do this? Does he want to continue to subject himself? Because what a lot of people miss throughout all this, forget about basketball. Think about the pain that he is in. Do you think he's sitting out games just because he wants to or because other people are telling him to? I believe that he's dealing with extreme pain in those knees, and that's why he can't play. Does he continue to want to practice, to work out, and to play games, but it continues to subject his body to this much pain in his lower body? And then we think a little bit more about the emotional side of it. You realize that you're never going to be the same basketball player that you were, and this is not to be too critical of the people of Memphis, but you know that all this time that you're missing, you are being mocked, you're being ridiculed, and you're being shamed because of the money that you're earning and because you just simply do not have the capability to play at the level that you need to be able to play. So I give it to the all-star break. 
And if, it, and if he is still not healthy, if he is still not able to play several games in a row without a major knee issue flaring up, then maybe it's time for both sides to come to the table and have that serious discussion whether both sides want to continue to do this. I think then it will become an option. I thought Nate did pretty well with that on Chandler Parsons there. So we'll, we'll move to the second part of what the UNC uh, unpacked for us. And, uh, Parker, you'll get to attack this one. Bringing Zach Randolph back. Again, I mentioned this earlier with Omari in the podcast. He doesn't necessarily fit exactly what the Grizzlies need in terms of rim protection, being that backup center, so to speak. Uh, but he would provide scoring, and he was mentioned in Greg Ratliff's article about who could be possible fives for Memphis down the road over at grizzlybearblues.com. Um, what do you think, Parker? Should And obviously he's still employed by the Sacramento Kings. He hasn't been bought out yet. But if that process occurs, do you see a path for Zach Randolph to come back to Memphis, Parker? Um, before I start with my answer, I really think my answer is going to cause a ruckus in the comment section or on Twitter. So That's um, fine. Let's go for it. I think we're at the point at his career where I don't think Zach Randolph is good enough as a standalone big man in a rotation because the statistics show that the Grizzlies – smaller lineups have been more successful um, given by like net ratings and all that stuff. And um, I think with having him and Mark on the court at the same time, you sacrifice a lot defensively. And even with, I mean, I think the best pairing for him right now is just pairing him with Jaron Jackson. If you're playing him, but also too, Zach is a Memphis legend. And if he comes back, he's the fourth big man behind Mark, Jaron, and Jamichael. And I just don't want my last memory of Zebo to be him on the bench, you know? There's something to be said for that, you know? And, and I do think that Zach is a little bit different than, say, a Vince Carter or a player like that. You bring in Vince Carter, although he's starting for the Atlanta Hawks, or at least he was uh, when the Grizzlies played them. Um, you bring in a Vince Carter to be kind of that mentor, I don't know that Zach is necessarily brought in for that same purpose, not to say that he couldn't be a mentor to a Jaron Jackson Jr. or that he couldn't be a solid locker room leader again for these Grizzlies. But I do think that it's a different dynamic, and it'd be interesting to see how it would play out. I'm not sure that's the route they're going to go. I'm not sure the Kings are going to buy him out. I don't know that they have any incentive to at this stage. I honestly think that it's more likely that the Grizzlies just leave that spot open for a G league call up once the 10 day contracts can start, or if there's a trade becomes available to them as the days and weeks and months move forward. Andrew Harrison was just hanging out on the bench, you know, and they can call Javon Carter up to to hang out on the bench if they want him to. Um, I, I think that I'm with you. I, I wouldn't be against it because again, it would be in that role that you just mentioned the fourth off the bench essentially. But at the same time, you know, is that what you want to see of Zach towards his end in terms of his NBA career? I don't know. I think people will have different takes on that. I don't think it's as hot of a take as you think it is, but at the same time, it will be interesting to see, especially if he gets bought out because then all hell will break loose in Grizzlies Twitter and on the blog over at grizzlybearblues.com. When all hell breaks out over at GBB, it's usually because of one of these two gentlemen, but they're two of the most talented young writers out there, and I'm excited to have them on my team over at Grizzly Bear Blues. Nate Chester, Parker Fleming, thank you both so much for hopping on the podcast. I look forward to the Core 4 podcast next week. Yes, sir. Hey, Joe, Thanks, Joe. Add, yeah, thank you. Can I add one more thing? Sure. 
in defense, so at the beginning of the show when you first called me on, you asked me to defend my Marcus Gasol post, and I don't uh, think I did a very good job of it because I was carrying a to-go box full of tater tots trying to run through a parking lot. So can I try that again, please? Sure, Nate. You have 30 seconds. <laughs> I got 30 seconds. <laughs> okay. It's like you said. I love Marcus Gasol more than anyone, but I saw something change last year. And here's the thing. It's not just a thing with the Memphis fan base. It's with sports fan bases in general. We're a very fickle crowd. And even people that we love, we have a tendency to turn on them very quickly. You saw it with Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City when he wasn't playing well against the Grizzlies in the first round of the 2014 NBA playoffs. They started calling him Mr. Unreliable. We have a tendency to turn on people really quickly. And after the, in the aftermath of the Marcus Gasol, David Fisdale relationship, after David Fisdale got fired last year, I started to see people start to turn on Marcus Gasol back then too. Now, obviously, that relationship began to grow closer once again, and you see the love for, that people have for Marcus Gasol right now. And I believe that the majority of people will always love Marcus Gasol. But do we potentially want to walk down the road and get into a situation where the team is going nowhere and Marcus Gasol still has to be the leader of this team and we have to see him end his time in Memphis in a completely frustrated state where he is not only frustrated with the franchise, but everyone else is totally frustrated with him too. It's like what Parker said about Zach Randolph. I don't want that to be my final image of Marcus Gasol, and I don't think Marcus Gasol wants that to be his final image in Memphis. I hope that doesn't happen, and it very well may not happen with the way he's been playing lately. So let's hope it stays that way. For the record, I'm an agnostic when it comes to this topic. I I could be fine if he came back to Memphis because I see the value there, and I'd be fine if they went in a different route. Um, I, I do think that saying seeing him in that way, yeah, yes, it could be bad, but it might be worse seeing him as a Sacramento King. I don't know. This is stuff that maybe we can continue the conversation on next week's podcast with the core four. Thank you guys. I appreciate your time and I'm looking forward to next week. Same here. Thanks Joe. Yes, sir. Thank you. There they go. Nate Chester and Parker Fleming. Make sure you're following them on Twitter at big Nate Chester at Paca underscore Flocka and at the core four podcast. They do a great job for us over at grizzlybearblues.com as senior writers. Excited to have them on the show and on my team, as I said, over at G. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you tuning in however you enjoyed the show, whether it's on Twitter or through iTunes or through the grizzlybearblues.com link that went up on Friday morning. It really is appreciated. And I can't stress enough that this has been a great, great first group of guests thanks so much to omari for coming on of the athletic memphis he did a great job in his first kind of organized spot with us over at grizzlybearblues.com so thanks to him omari sankofa the second thanks to david cobb who joins the commercial appeal as their beat writer for the memphis grizzlies starting this coming week excited for him and the work he's going to do and thanks so much of course to parker and to nate for the work they do over at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're checking up the Core 4 podcast next week that I will be a guest on. There will be no new Grizzly Bear Blues live podcast. Uh, the day job comes calling. It's the opening round of the playoffs for me. So I am going to focus on that aside from being a guest on Parker and Nate's podcast. But no new GBB Live next week. The next GBB Live episode will likely be 
Thursday, November 15th. Uh, we will explore that as the day job continues, as I just mentioned, but that's what we're leaning towards for a new episode of GVB Live. So for the Unk, who is awesome, as always, for Nate, for Parker, for Armari, for David, all the great guests of this week's show, I am Joe Mullinax, the host of this podcast. It's a great opportunity to be back with you on the Blog Talk Radio Airwaves. It's an awesome chance for me to continue to be close to the Memphis Grizzlies through the site manager position of grizzlybearblues.com. I'm appreciative of that. Most importantly, I'm appreciative of you for enjoying our content over at grizzlybearblues.com. Again, I am Joe Mullinex. Thank you so much. Until next time, grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Can your fixed income stand the test of time? Markets change, but the role of fixed income shouldn't. That's why for more than 40 years, MFS has stayed true to our traditional approach. We call it essential fixed income. Find out more at mfs.com slash fixed income. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.